While the people of Madrid watched the first bombings from their open windows, the Republic's panicked leadership prepared to abandon the city and move the government elsewhere. Francisco Largo Caballero, the Prime Minister, made the decision on the grey, cold, rainy Friday afternoon of 6 November when he learned that the government's supply of artillery shells and even bullets was perilously low. Russian fighter aircraft had taken to the air against the slow German Junkers 52s for the first time the day before, and reinforcements were on their way. But Largo Caballero and his cabinet abandoned the defense of the city to a skeleton defense junta that night and fled to Valencia, eastward on the Mediterranean, 220 miles in the Republican rear. The anarchist militiamen blocking the Valencia road allowed them to pass only grudgingly. Some of the international correspondents covering the war saved themselves time and trouble that night before they skedaddled out of town with the government by reporting the rebels marching triumphantly into the city the next day. Chief Hearst correspondent H.R. Knickerbocker even invented a little dog that barked along beside the cheering crowds. But Larco Caballero had delegated Madrid's defense to doughty general José Miaja, and once Miaja understood that he must either save the city or preside over its fall, he mustered a team of loyal officers and began organizing its defense. He sent his chief of staff, Lieutenant Colonel Vicente Rojo, to search for munitions while he assembled and challenged his 16 sector commanders. The government has gone, he charged them bluntly that Friday night. Madrid is at the mercy of the enemy. The moment has come when you must act as men. Do you understand me? As men. Machos. They did. By midnight, Rojo had his inventory. Artillery rounds enough for two hours of shelling, and enough bullets to give each of the remaining 20,000 militiamen six each. Rojo knew there was more, but the government had cleared out so hastily that Lajo Caballero's officers had forgotten to report its location. Rojo telegraphed Albacete and Valencia to ship rifle and machine gun bullets immediately by air. It wasn't much to defend a city, but the people of Madrid had their backs to the wall. The unions, the cooperatives, and a full regiment of Spanish communists deployed under Miaja's command. He told them to take up the arms of the fallen and never retreat. If they held the city for forty-eight hours, he promised them, relief would come. In the retreat from Gatafe, women fought as well as men. New Zealand journalist Geoffrey Cox reports. Some looked even more soldierly than the men, with determined faces and rifles carried as if they meant business. But others, in neat blue overalls, with oiled dark hair, penciled eyebrows, vivid lips, added one more touch of unreality to the scene. Yet they, too, had been under fire all morning and had been amongst the last to leave, I learnt later. It was like a waiting crowd of extras for a bandit film, rather than an army fighting a war notorious for its complete lack of mercy. Early on the morning of 7 November, Franco's forces under General José Enrique Barrela advanced eastward into Madrid under cover of artillery fire. But the Republican militias that had withered in the open country knew how to fight in the city, firing from windows and from behind street barricades. Though they took large losses, they held off the advancing rebel forces and sometimes turned them back. They scattered Barela's cavalry by throwing sticks of dynamite from homemade armored cars. 
they recaptured lost ground in near-suicidal counterattacks. They knew every corner of the city, writes a veteran, whereas Madrid to the bulk of Varela's army was a foreign city, a maze of unknown and hostile streets. Loudspeakers in cafes, radios blaring from open windows, called the people to defense. Wives carried meals by streetcar or subway to their husbands fighting at the barricades. On Sunday, 8 November, Miaja's promise of relief was fulfilled. Cox, drinking coffee in a bar on the Gran Via, heard shouting and clapping and went outside to see. Up the street, from the direction of the Ministry of War, came a long column of marching men, he writes. They wore a kind of khaki corduroy uniform and loose brown Glengarry caps like those of the British Tank Corps. They were marching in excellent formation.